0: I'm weepy today. <clears throat> Anytime we sing it as well with my soul, I'm a weepy mess. And uh, <clears throat> uh, did, 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 you, did you follow some of the theology of those songs? Gosh, it's great to sing songs that are fun to sing, but it's great when they actually have good theology in them too. <laughs> that, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed. His own blood for my soul. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Man, that's worth the price of admission, right there, huh? And then, not only that, not only does Jesus look at my helpless estate, bear his own blood for my soul, that last song says, I'm going to get to be the bride. We are the bride. That's what the analogy is in Scripture. And he is the groom, and he delights in me, and we're going to dance. And then he sings that song. You guys don't plan this. I know, but it just happened to work. Highland, you're a gifted musician, but the thing I love about you more than anything is I know how much you love Jesus. And uh, we should just pray and close, man. This is (laughs) enough. We're in our 12th week of a, a nine year study of the book of Acts. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be a year, but I stop every now and then <clears throat> and talk about it as well with my soul and stuff like that. <laughs> Called The Church on Fire. If you're new with us, we're only in chapter two, so you're not far behind. You could catch up probably in about five minutes. <clears throat> What just has happened, just to catch you up to speed, is is, uh, Jesus was raised from the dead and and he appeared to all these people and he taught them and then he said, uh, in a few days, stay here in Jerusalem, in a few days you're going to receive power, you're going to receive power from on high, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you like you've never seen and you're going to be my witnesses throughout the whole known land, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the world. You're going to be my witnesses. And then that, in chapter 2, that happens. Amazingly, they're praying together. There's a great phrase where they, in, in chapter 1, verse 14, where it says they constantly come together and they're praying together. And, and you know, it's hazardous to be a Christian in this place in Jerusalem. Obviously, just killed the leader. And they're praying together and they make a decision about who's going to be the, the disciple to replace Judas. And one of those days when they were meeting together and, and, and praying... The Holy Spirit comes on them, and it's amazing. There's this loud rushing sound, and they, this, this, these things are flying around, and it, they say it looks like tongues of fire. Now, I don't know what a tongue is. Fire kind of laps of fire whatever. They land on people, and they start, start speaking other languages, languages such that people who were in the area, who were there for the Feast of the Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, as it was called, as they were there, In their own languages, they started hearing it, like Swahili or French or German or Iron Range or whatever you speak. They started hearing these voices and they they heard that that these people are declaring the wonders of God in their own languages. And so they were just amazed. And then Peter gives his first sermon, the first Christian sermon ever, and he talks about what Jesus did for them. He says, you killed him now. Let me just make this clear. I want to make this clear every week as long as this is an issue in our culture. Question, not rhetorical. Who killed Jesus? LDIers. God killed Jesus. The Father killed Jesus. The Jews did not kill Jesus. They were pawns in the deal. Watch the movie with that in mind. That Jesus is orchestrating his own death. Okay, so don't, don't think, oh, the rotten Jews that killed Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. Hmm? If you read, if you read uh, Romans, the only way you can get into heaven is if you become a Jew, a real Jew. So don't rip on the Jews, okay? It's not a Jewish thing. They, they, they were just pawns in the deal, and so were the Romans. Where, oh, there's, a, there's a line in the movie where, where Pilate says, uh, well, it's actually in the Bible too, but Pilate says, <laughs> <sighs> Pilate says, don't you understand that I have the authority to say whether you live or die? And Jesus says, authority? <laughs> no, he doesn't laugh, but <laughs> you have no authority except that which has been given to you. Do you understand who's in control here? You think I'm on trial? I'm orchestrating this. Okay, I have totally no idea where I am now. Um, what was I talking about? God, Jesus, tongues of fire fire came. Thank you, and they, and they, they, uh, they they preach this gospel to them and tell them the message that in Christ He died for your sins. He died to make it right for you to come to the Father. Simple message that you and I and everyone in this room and everyone in this world have by nature and by choice. We've become sinners. We're separated from God, and we need a uh, we need something to. Write that, we looked at an illustration last week which showed the cross was the bridge in between these two cliffs of us and God. And that, that is what Christ did. Peter explains that simple message. They say they were cut to the heart, it says in Acts chapter 2. He said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. In other words, to turn from your old life and baptism was a way, and a Jew would know this, that how you converted to another religion. In fact, they used it to convert to Judaism. So they want you to convert to be a follower of Christ. And 3,000 people did. 3,000 people made a commitment to be a follower of Christ. Last week we looked at what now? Or as one of my favorite philosophers say, how now, brown cow? In other words, what now? Okay, we understand this. That's just sinking in. Uh, uh, we've just accepted this message this this message that in Christ as, the, uh, as um, um, Horatio I can't think of his last name in It Is Well With My Soul said Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul as he said that we understand that we're taking that I don't let Christ be my sin bearer I'm not going to take it but now how do I live we talked about the motivation that there was at this point in time last week if you remember That the motivation was not just to say, oh, that's a nice little piece of information. I'm glad I got my get out of jail free or get out of hell free card. Thank you very much. I'll just live my life any way I want to. That's not what happened. So looked at Acts chapter 2 verses uh, 42 through 47. We saw that there was a change in people and that we really wanted to go about this. And so actually you can go back there. You can go back the other one. We're not there yet. Um, I'm hard to follow. Ask my wife. Um, Tim, I'm going to embarrass you for a second. I hope it's okay for me to use this illustration. He was at work yesterday. Is it okay if I use that illustration about the Olive Garden thing? Yeah, like what are you going to say, no, right now? Yeah. <laughs> Tim works at Olive Garden, um, and he uh, uh, he's a server, a waiter, and, and he was amazed. He came to my office this morning and said, I'm amazed at how miserable people were yesterday, Valentine's Day. said, Came, you know, Olive Garden, kind of fancy place, you know. You're probably gonna forty, 40 bucks if you leave a tip, forty one fifty. Um, <laughs> Tim says, "I'm going to kill you afterwards." Yeah. <laughs> if you leave a tip, eighty bucks, right? Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and so uh, he said it was amazing. You'd, you'd sit there, and you'd see this guy, possibly a husband and a wife, sitting on the other side of the table, and. He, you know, you know, wouldn't say this out loud, but it's like he's projecting this, well, I'm doing my duty. <laughs> you said you wanted to go to a nice restaurant, no, Olive Garden, I guess. I want to go to Arby's, but <clears throat> fine, fine, we'll go here. I don't want to be here, but I'm just following orders. Now, how do you think the wife responds to that attitude? Do you think she says, oh, thank you, dear? I feel so great knowing that you're you're miserable being here and you're spending fifty bucks on a meal that you don't like, and you're forced to actually talk with me for once. But but thanks for doing this for me. I feel my heart welling up within me, and my soul is overflowing with love. No way. (laughs) She's saying you're a jerk. I want to be adored. I want to be dated. I want to be enjoyed. I want you to desire me, all of me. I want to, as a husband and wife, I want you to, to know you deeply. And instead you're just grumbling over there about something or that you had to go through it, or maybe you had to put on a clean t-shirt for a week. <laughs> it's the same thing with your relationship with God. God wants you to adore him so that he gets the glory. But in doing that, you get the joy. Do you think this guy had a nice evening sitting there across from his wife? No way. I think he would have just said, you know what, honey? You are the slickest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) Uh, Works, yeah. (laughs) As I delight in Carol, as I delight in her, something within her comes alive and something with me gets really satisfied. Now, forget the Valentine thing. It's all about God. As you delight in God, as you say, God, I just love you. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till that day when I get to be the bride and we're going dancing. I hate dancing, but I'm sure I'll like it there. <laughs> and it's just gonna be awesome. And I'm gonna be this this creator of the universe delights in me. Is that a crazy thought or what? And that's true. And that's what the motivation is to follow, to follow. Christ. It's not, oh great, yeah I suppose I'll sign up to be a Christian and then great, well what do I have to do now? Oh, I have to go to church, okay. Bible study, sure. Sing a song like Highland did, okay. <laughs> I don't want that, you don't want that. If, you know, uh, I, <clears throat> part of me when we were, when we were worshiping, uh, I love this building because it just echoes. Drives Peter crazy with all the echoes, but I love the echoes when you sing. And to hear everyone here sing, you know who sings like that? You know who sings like that? Lovers sing like that. I know we're Swedish and Norwegian background, and I know it's kind of hard to, you know, like the guy said, uh, I told you when I married you, I'd love you, and if it changes, I'll let you know. Uh, (laughs) But lovers sing like that. Lovers sing like that from their heart. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a lover. I want to be. I want to be someone who is not just endorse the tenets of Christianity because I intellectually get it. I want to be. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed so that walking with God is a joy. At times, a painful joy but a joy nonetheless. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I I often ask myself this. Am I getting conformed or transformed? Am I a frog in the kettle here? Do I let a root of bitterness come within me and I just become some kind of jerk that you know takes God out because he says I have to? Or do I say, man, guess what I get to do today, Brooks? I get to play baseball. I get I get to worship God. I get to read my Bible. Oh, what a cool thing. We're in a mini-series here right now in the midst of Acts called The Transformed Life in the Context of Community. Transformed Life. In community, we're looking at what this brand new church did to do follow through care with 3,000 people. What did they do? So, if you want to open your Bibles now, we're going to get to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. We're in our second week on this. So we're going to look this week at just the first seven words, but we're going to read the whole thing and going to do it every week. And this week, we're just going to, like I say, deal with the first uh, seven words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship This is radical. This is radical stuff. This is the way the brand new church, this is people who were 53 days ago before this were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. And 53 days later, they were saying, how do we get enough of this? Sign me up for that seminar. I want to go to a prayer meeting. Break me off a piece of bread and we can hang out and enjoy the Lord's Supper together. It's it's, it's this radical transformation here. One of the reasons I want to do the book of Acts is because the radical transformation in people's lives that happened throughout the whole book. Let's take a look at the first seven words. First, the part that says, they devoted themselves. The word for devoted there is the word that's used in, in chapter 1, verse 14, where it says they, continued, they joined continually together in prayer. There's a sense of single-mindedness and a sense of immediacy or urgency or purpose they got together and they did these things. They devoted themselves. You can see the four things there. We're only going to hit one. This, the apostles' teaching to the fellowship. Oh, you can go back one. That's good. Okay. To the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So those are the four things they just devoted themselves to. They said, this is what we're going to give ourselves to. They didn't just say, this amazing experience happened. And you know what, we're just going to go live our lives just like it was no big deal. No, they said, you know what, if this is true, if God is who he really says he is, and and the tongues of fire thing would help, I think, to really get excited about that, we're going to live differently. 3,000 people living in community and doing those kinds of things. Okay, now what did they devote themselves to? First thing we're going to look at this week is to the apostles' teaching. What was the first thing that was mentioned in follow through care? How do you care for 3,000 new, brand new baby Christians? They're just, you know, brand new. Matter of fact, like I said, 53 days previous, they were the ones yelling, crucify him, crucify him. So what do you do with 3,000? First thing they did was they devote themselves to the apostles, plural. So there's these 12 apostles, and believe me, they are having teaching seminars all over the place. They say they came to the temple courts, you can read down here. That's an interesting place to hang out, by the way, right? Temple courts, not exactly healthy, because that's downtown Jerusalem. That's right where, the you know, all the, the people who were angry at Christians were, but they hang out there. And they did teaching constantly. The the, the twelve apostles were teaching. So that this is I think sometimes we can get caught up in an either-or in our Christian experience. Either it's just an experience with God, and it is that. But it's more than that. There's some teaching that is life-changing. There's some things you need to learn that will change your life. It's not just a one-time choice. It's not a one-time decision. It is that. It starts there. Everything starts with a one-time decision. Just, you know... Just think of any decision you made in your life and it starts with one thing and then it just kind of keeps going. But it's a lifelong thing. You, You keep growing in it. It's a life of following Jesus. A life of following Jesus. Therefore, if it's a life of following Jesus, life is complicated. It is. And I need to know some amazing principles, some eternal principles from God so that I can make it through life when I lose my job or one of my kids goes wayward or I have trouble in my marriage or yada, 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 whatever. I need to know some truths about how to make it through that and how to hang on to God during those times. And this was their case. The first thing that they've devoted themselves to was teaching, to getting a biblical mindset, to getting biblical thinking. Now, this is a little bit of a commercial. I'll admit it. But the, uh, our leadership development program, we want to help you in three areas. And if you open it up, you can see the number one is biblical thinking. We think that biblical thinking is hugely important. It doesn't mean dry doctrine. It means alive doctrine. Theology, theos, means God. It's the study of God. So it's not just the study about God. It's the study of God. Get involved in something like that and get to know God better. I've heard it said that uh, every problem that you have can be boiled down to a wrong understanding you have of God. Not sure I totally agree with that yet, but I've been thinking about it for about 12 years and I have yet to find something to the contrary. Every major problem you have, interpersonal, kind of wrestling thing, deal with the thing you're wrestling with is a wrong understanding you have of God. That would come from a wrong understanding of Scripture. Somewhere. Now, what did the apostles teach about? be interesting, you know, they they didn't have the the epistles. They didn't have the letters that were written by, uh, well, the apostles, mostly. So they didn't have those yet. And they didn't have the gospel accounts yet. They hadn't been written. They didn't have the book of Acts because, quite frankly, they were living it. So what did they teach about? Well, I'm sure they taught about the Old Testament. I bet you they spend a lot of time talking about the Old Testament. The prophets, uh, the, the, the first five books of the Bible, they teach about those things. I'm sure they talked about what it was like to hang out with Jesus. I would pay five bucks to talk to someone if they had hung out with Jesus. Huh? Ten. I would, that would be awesome. What's he really like? You know, man, wouldn't that be something to be around someone who had just just been with Jesus? sure they taught about what it meant to live uh, in, the, in the... Jesus spent a lot of time speaking about the kingdom of God, and they would teach about that. What does it mean now to live as a, as a Christian in this world? Well, how does that work? was a lot of things I'm sure they talked about. I'm sure it was awesome to sit under these... You know, maybe some of them were good speakers, some of them weren't, but it was just you were eating it up like a baby bird. Just, oh, it was awesome. Let me state something that's painfully obvious, but I think it just needs to be said. No, I think it needs to be preached. Um, and I'm preaching so I can do it. Um, this book, not mine, can't have mine, but the Bible will change your life. It will change your life. It has changed my life. If you would have asked me 21 years ago, when I was a freshman at the University of Minnesota, do my math right, 22 years ago, ooh, ouch, uh, if I, would, if, if I would have, um, if you'd have said that I was going to be a pastor, I probably would have scoffed at you. If you would have said that I would have been an, a follower of Jesus Christ and loving it, I would have said you were nuts. I said maybe I'd be a follower of Christ. Maybe. I could see that. But when I first became a Christian, my only examples of what I thought Christians were, were, and uh, you don't know any of these people so I can say it, kind of wimpy. And I remember saying to God, God, if you want me to be kind of a person who just smiles all the time, well, praise God. <laughs> um, I'll do it. But, but God, I very clearly said, listen, trike, I gave you a sense of humor, a bit of an edge to you. Keep it. It's a good thing. Keep working. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Christ has changed my life. The Bible and things in my life, and I'll talk more about this a little bit, has, has changed my life. It will change your life. Listen to this quote by, it's an unknown author, and I think it's great that it's an unknown author because no one should take credit for some of these things. It says, this book, talking about the Bible, this book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword and the christian's character here paradise is restored heaven opened and the gates of hell disclosed christ is its grand subject our good its design and the glory of god its end it should fill the memory rule the heart and guide the feet read it slowly frequently prayerfully it is a mine of wealth a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its pre- precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Jesus. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. You have my permission to stop listening now and just grab your Bible and read it. That is awesome, huh? That's what I want. That's what your your my soul craves for, is those things. Now, and I, I, there's all kinds of ways to get the word of God into your life. There's all kinds of ways, but it's interesting here that they didn't just send them out and give them a, we always talk about a New Testament portion. I guess it would be an Old Testament portion at that time. That's all they had. They didn't just say, thanks for coming, and here you go. They didn't. They taught. That, that just made me think this week. That's interesting. Why don't they just, you know, photocopy out the scriptures and pass them out? and You know, next group, you come in, another hundred. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the doctrines. Whoop, whoop. Okay, next group. They didn't do that. There was something about this teaching thing that uh, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. Not just to the information, not just to, uh, you know, getting a copy of stuff. It was something about teaching and it got me wondering something. Did you ever wonder this? Why did Jesus teach? I mean, if, if Jesus was fully man and fully God and he was a baby and he lived one day, he could have just been sacrificed right then and it would pay the penalty of our sins, right? Could have made a big deal about it and he, they could have left behind some book that would explain in legal terms what was happening, why this sacrifice was made of the God-man. He was just a baby, but he didn't. He stuck around and he taught. Matter of fact, his, his standard operating procedure, his SOP, is in Matthew and it's, it's listed twice. In Matthew chapter four, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And then the same phraseology is used in Matthew 9. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Well, why? Why didn't he just come to, and, and die for our sins? Why did he spend all this time with us? Why did he spend all that time to teach us? Was it just information Who's trying to get across? I'd say no. Christianity is a lot more than information. It is that, but it's more. It's never less than that, but it's more. There are ideas and doctrines and practices to be learned, no doubt, but fundamental to Christianity is learning about what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the context of community. Now, if you don't believe me, why are you here? You know, why are you here? And and uh, 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 I don't know how to say this. I'm just going to kind of say it. I, I think I'm an okay preacher. But I'm. if you line up the preachers in the United States, dude, I'm rearview mirror time, right? Amen? <laughs> Nobody wants to say it, you know? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Why not, seriously, why not put a uh, uh, Chuck Swindoll or a Howard Hendricks or, or, or someone like that. Well, we got a big screen here. Man, there's a lot of videotapes. Why do we have a live person here instead of someone who could give you the information on the screen? You can watch a screen every week. Why do you do that? You know, why do we have Tim and, and Dev and others part of the worship team? I mean, we could get some kickin' recordings. And maybe there can be videos too and we could watch Matt Redman or Louis Guglio or whatever his name is. Uh, these guys could lead us in worship, right? What is there about it being live? What is there about someone of flesh and blood teaching? Why are you here? You're here because of that. You're here because you and I were created for a relationship and two dimensions is not what you want. You want three. Why did Jesus go from town to town preaching the good news of the kingdom? But then he did something else. He heals every disease and sickness. And if you know how Jesus healed, he always touched people. So he got to know. It. He came down and said, "Hi, Carol. Let me heal you." And there was this touch that happened. It's not just information. Teaching is much more than that. What your soul and my soul craves is to learn about God in the context of community. Commercial number two, dude, that's what our spring retreat is about, becoming the body. Okay. You're welcome, Nicole. That's a free one. um, So that's what it's about, learning about each other in community. And Jesus modeled this. That's why he was there. He did that. Let me tell you about my own personal journey. 6.30 in the morning on April 21st, 1983, is when I made a commitment to Christ. I know when it happened, I was there. And I literally said, take me, Lord, I'm yours. No, Lord, excuse me, four words. Take me, I'm yours. And uh, um, that was 6.30 in the morning. And I remember thinking by about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, what in the world did you just do? That was stupid wonder if you can go back on one of these deals. Seriously, I'm thinking that. At about 4.30, I'm in my dorm room. I'm thinking these thoughts. I'm thinking, hmm, let me weigh this out again. This way or this way? Wow. That's a lot. This is going to cost a lot to go that way. 4.30 in the afternoon, a man by the name of Tom Larson knocks on my door. He's the guy who took me to the meeting the previous night And he said, well, you know, I I hope you don't mind. I happened to look at your card at the meeting the previous night where there was a pastor speaking, and he shared his story and how he had become a Christian. Um, They gave you a card afterwards. You put your name on the card, and then it had, like, four boxes. And, I mean, this guy told me things I'd never heard before, you know, that you could know you're going to heaven when you die. And I'm just like, whoa. And he explained, really, what biblical Christianity was to me in 20 minutes. And I had kind of grown up in a church and never really remember hearing it. So here's this card, and there's like these four boxes, one of which was, I thought this was interesting. I'm going, interesting? This guy just told me how to get to heaven. That's just not just interesting. And I'm looking at these options here. I didn't find this at all informative. And then one of them was, I made a decision to become a follower of Christ. And I thought to myself, I like these people. They're nice and everything. But if I, I, I know that they're you know, wanting me to make a commitment to Christ. So if I just check that box, they'll leave me alone. <laughs> um. Whoa. Could you ever be more wrong, dude? That was like fresh meat box, you know? Uh. <laughs> so I, 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 I checked that box, and at 4th the after he said, I hope you don't mind me looking. I, I, you know, I just looked at the guys from the dorm who had come, and I noticed that you had made a decision to follow Christ. I said, kind of interesting you bring that up. I said, I actually, at that time, I did. I just did that so you guys would go away but, um, or keep your distance because they were friends of mine. I knew them in the dorms, but, um, but I have now. This morning, I did. And he gave me a little green booklet. I, I looked for them. We're out of them in our little uh, little book table over here. Called Beginning with Christ. It had five verses in it. And that's all the Bible I knew. He said, oh, well, you know, it might be a, it's called Beginning with Christ. Talked about a person right when they made a commitment to Christ. Assurance of salvation. First one. First John 5, 11, and 12. It says, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then verse 13, which I did memorize, says, and I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Verse 2, assurance of victory. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Third verse, assurance of answered prayer, John 16, 24. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Jesus is speaking. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Assurance of guidance, verse the fourth one. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then the fifth verse was knowing that life was going to be a struggle was assurance of forgiveness. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the sum total of the Bible that I knew. I had those five verses. For the next four years, Tom and I became very close friends. He was a spiritual mentor to me. He's someone who taught me along the way. He was a a great friend and still is. He teaches my kids. He's my kid's gym coach or gym teacher to this day. I was involved in a small group Bible study, led by someone who, uh, you know, was just your average guy. In some ways, he was just so average, it was almost frustrating. He was just your average guy. But this Bible study was awesome. My second year of college, and I came back to school, and I got involved in a a Bible study. And that group taught me, and this this Bible study leader taught me. His name was Dan. I went to some big churches when I was in college, and I know a lot of you do too, and that's, that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But what really changed me was a context of a church about our size, you know, medium, medium, small, medium church. Up in Northeast Minneapolis, Elon Baptist Church. Jim Smith was the preacher. James Smith, he had a he had a plaque that was he was part of the Jim Smith Club. And it was amazing. There was a, a convention out in California. He would go every year, and everybody there, their name was Jim Smith. <laughs> I told him, man, you need a life. <laughs> save money on name tags or something, I guess. But But Jim Smith up at Elam Baptist Church in this hot little sanctuary in the summer was going through the book of Galatians uh, verse by verse and I absolutely fell in love with preaching. I said, oh, this is great. I am so fed by this. And it was life-changing for me. And I could list a hundred more people who have taught me and I, I am, we, we all need to be insatiable learners, and your story will be true that. And as I close this morning, let me ask you this. Are you willing to be transformed by the, by the word of God? Are you willing to let yourself be taught? That's what this text is talking about. The word of God in the, you know, personal devotional time, it's huge. But are you willing to be in the context of other relationships, either a mentor relationship, small group Bible study, hearing messages and not just, you know, playing the Bahamas game, but actually engaging with God and any other capacity, seminar, whatever. Are you willing to be transformed by the teaching of the Word of God in your life? That's something you have to decide. Are you willing to let that change you? Secondly, for some of you in this room... You know, it's time to get out of the nest. It's time for you to start teaching. Maybe it's just one other person like Tom who came to my door and knocked on the door and said, can I help you? Maybe that would be a great way for some of us just to start being like these apostles and to start teaching, just start helping them. I came to Christ in April and I had the opportunity to lead another guy to the Lord in September. And I said, dude, what do I, I'm only a couple months along on this. He said, just be one verse ahead of him. He'd be like in John 13, I'd be in John 14. In my, you know, Okay, this is great. I don't know if that's true or not. We just loved our relationship. It was like a peer type thing. Some of you need to start dreaming and asking God, God, how can I be involved? You've given me so much, how can I give it away? Let's close in prayer as we seek to allow to be transformed by the word of God. Lord, we want to be transformed. We want to be people who are different because we've met you. And I just, I'm just boggled that, though, Lord, you're physically not here, your spirit is present, very obviously, in our lives and in, in, in this room right even now. But also, you've left us this book. You've left us this opportunity to be into your word in a way, as we read from Psalm 19, that is reviving to the soul and gives light to the eyes. So God, I pray that that we would have hearts that would be open to hear your word. We'd have hearts that would be open to talk about it with others and learn from others in all kinds of contexts. Lord, may we devote ourselves just like the early, early church did, devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devote ourselves, God, to to your written word here. And I pray that that would transform us and we would linger about it, not just one hour a week here, but this is just the hors d'oeuvre This is the hors d'oeuvre for the full meal we want to take the rest this week. So, God, would you just do that in our lives. Make us people of the word and people who can give it to others. Bring those things to mind that you want us to do in either category. Ways to make us more open to your word and avenues that we should bring it to others. We pray in Christ's name.